Thank you, Pastor John and Kelsey. Sister Kelsey, thank you for welcoming me in your beautiful home, beautiful family. I feel at home. And to have your spiritual mom and dad, it's a double blessing. So I'm looking forward to fellowship with, with, uh, with both of you, four of you, because we, as we afterwards, I have a, a plane to catch it around 12 or 1 o'clock, so we're looking forward to some more fellowship. Although, uh, Pastor John says you love the word, yeah. and he says don't just, don't just scratch the surface. My people love to go deep in the word, deep in the word. So some of those word digging operations may last a few hours. I, I might have to, uh, you know, catch another plane or something. I don't know. No, I'm not going to keep you that long. But I love hunger for the word. When I accept, when accepted the Lord, I, I never really uh, read the word because I was uh, born in Bulgaria. I actually flew from Sofia, from my hometown, uh, yesterday. We, we, we had a whole team of, of uh, uh, a busload of people who are hungry, and we did, we did mission, the trip to our favorite neighborhood in the middle of Bulgaria. It's a gypsy neighborhood, and gypsies are, are sort of like outcasts. They're like marginalized. They're, uh, there's prejudice, and uh, so my wife loves the poorest of the poor, so do I, and widows and orphans. And we have gone to that neighborhood for uh, 22 years now. And uh, in the 90s, when we uh, were very touched by the 90s move of God uh, in Toronto and, and other places, but uh, our, our marriage was in the rocks at the time. Our marriage was restored by what the Lord was doing with the body of Christ and with, with, with us, and we began to, uh, uh, I was telling Pastor John, uh, in the 90s, we were meetings for worship and like this every day, every day, and, and congregation all over, especially in North America, uh, were, were gathering, and if, if you couldn't have a, a Monday, Friday or Saturday or Sunday open, if you could go on Monday or come on Tuesday, there would always be people as long as you, because there was a, such a hunger for God. And this is, this is a, a supernatural. It wasn't someone that could not make this happen. Yes, right. It was a supernatural hunger just came on a, a special in North America in the 90s. And, and so we uh, <clears throat> got used to that. And it just simply, you, you want to go again and again. And it, just Sunday is not enough. And, and so, so our ministry was transformed into every day. We could barely find a day off. And, and we took a daughter off out of school. She was nine or, or so. And, and we began to travel together because we did not want to miss anything. And so, so this is how from a practically broken marriage to totally restored marriage and, and every day we're in the presence of God and, 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 and so healings and miracles and 
Uh, I don't know if you've uh, heard, of course, of Beto. You've heard of Beto, Bill Johnson. Beto wouldn't have been what it is today if it wasn't that powerful touch of God on Bill and his wife in that 90s uh, from Toronto. And uh, uh, John Arnott was the pastor at the time, and Randy Clark, and, and, and Heidi Baker. You heard of Heidi Baker? Has she been in Dubai? No? Yeah. Uh, that ministry, is powerful ministry, started tens of thousands of churches, powerful apostolic ministry all over Africa and, and in other nations. And it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't of what took place in those 90s in, in Toronto. And, uh, and I, I've, I've never forget seeing Heidi Baker for the first time in 1997. In, in, in Toronto, and she had come for a touch of God, and she needed a serious touch of God. And, and someone who was supporting her with a million dollar a year, like a hundred thousand a month, uh, Don didn't like what was happening in, in Toronto. So he says, if you go, I will stop my support. But she needed a touch of God. So much so, she says, I'm sorry, but I have to because I am in, in Mozambique at the time and this dry and I need fresh touch from the Lord. I cannot go on without him, fresh empowerment. So she came, even though she lost that supporter. And, and of course, from all the conferences, the one she came was called, uh, called Have Another Drink. That was the name of the conference. Have another drink. And so uh, she came, and I happened to be one of the speakers and two other speakers. And, of course, the conference is about drinking. Drinking, of course, not uh, alcohol, but drinking, not even just water, but the living water. Drinking of the living water of God. Otherwise... Drinking of the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and so we were supposed to be preaching. But how do you preach if you don't first demonstrate? So we, we were demonstrating and we were getting so filled that we could not even stand. And so we were on the ground. And, but we were drinking. And we were preaching a sermon from a demonstration. And so here comes Heidi, who was really, really hungry and really thirsty for, for a, a, a serious touch of God. And here's the three preachers on the ground. And she goes, I need somebody to preach and touch me and not laying on the ground. And she was really upset. And she was like, why did I? I lost money over this. I lost a million dollar offering uh, per year over drunk preachers who are not doing anything. <laughs> so she was upset. I don't know if you heard a testimony, but that's what happened to her. And, and, uh, and, and, and of course, at the time she had 200 children. Now she had maybe 220,000 or something, but at the time it was 200. And she said, Lord, this is... I did something wrong. That I have 200 children. Not going to have money now. We're not going to have to take care of them. 
And I don't even have a touch. I came for a touch of God, but this is not a serious touch of God at all. <laughs> and so she was complaining. And, and by Wednesday, the Lord told her, Heidi, those kids are actually my kids. I will take care of them. Don't worry. That one supporter is gone, but I will support you because these kids are mine. So don't worry about these kids. Why don't you join your brothers and sisters and have a drink, a refreshing drink. And so by Friday, I'm never going to forget that. This is a true story. It was like in, in the Toronto, very big conference. And John Arnott found out about Heidi and Roland's ministry. So he invited them on the stage to share about their ministry. And then we received a big offering. And it's something like 40000 or something. Uh, and not only that, but... Uh, we joined them. My wife and I actually joined them in, in, in monthly supporting. So uh, I want to thank you for sowing into uh, this ministry that we do with children. They, they need every day food, just like you and me. <laughs> and so every day we need uh, to send food money and other things, the expenses. So uh, anyway, so I know what, but I started we have about 500 children, but my first 10 children that we begin to support in month, monthly was 10 of her children. We committed to stand with her. And, and so it was, it was wonderful. But, but I never forget, at the end of the night, it was, the spirit has fallen and they were both on the floor. And I, I remember Heidi looking like this. <laughs> like a fish. Like, she looked like a fish. In the water, the Lord has so made her feel like she's in the ocean of his presence. And she was swimming. She was swimming. Hallelujah. And Heidi been swimming ever since. Ever since. And not only that, but hundreds of thousands are diving in the river with her. So we've been faster friends for all these years with Bill and Heidi. So I said all that to say that our lives have been and ministries have been empowered and touched. And what seemed to be silly, what seemed to be funny and not serious. But how many know God is a, God is a serious God? Yep. Yet at the same time, says that he sits on the throne and laughs. Yes. <laughs> some, some too. We need to take this seriously. <laughs> you can't just skip over that scripture. You got to take the fact that God is laughing. He's not laughing because an angel told a joke. <laughs> God is laughing over the fact that the enemy has lost the battle. <laughs> lost the battle over you and over you. And over you, and over you, and over you, and over you. The enemy has lost the battle. And God is laughing at the futility of the enemy. I'm going to tell you that everyone you see around you, they may not know the Lord now. But the Lord is already laughing over the futility of the enemy. You have the power to release them from that place that, where they don't know the Lord. 
where they know they don't know how much God loves. They don't know how much God cares. And they don't know about the joy of the Lord. Our God is not like any other God. He calls himself Father. He calls himself Abba. Abba is in Hebrew means daddy. Say daddy. It's not even an official uh, you know, name. It's more like a daddy. Dad. Really. Baba means dad. Dad, dad. Children call themselves in Hebrews to their dad. Abba, Abba means dad, dad. Look at this. Dad, dad. You know, it is a, 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 a very unique. God calls himself a father. No other deity calls themselves a father. Because to, be, to call yourself father, you have to prove or show you're not some distant deity somewhere, but fathers don't go away. Real dads, they, they stay with the family. They protect the family. They care for children. Maybe you didn't have a good dad. I don't know. I'm sorry if you didn't have a good one. But now you have a heavenly father. Who's a good, good father. You know, I, I, I didn't have a dad. I, I grew up raised by my single mom. And I never has got my dad ever come once to see me in my entire childhood. However, now when I met the Lord, he, he reveals himself as a father to me. Amen. And he re-raised me. He re-raised me. And he's still re-raising me. Come on! I'm still Come on! getting new levels of how much my God is like a dad. Ooh, I reverend him. I revere him. Uh, I am in awe of him. And, but it's not like scared, but just in reverence and awe. And, and in the fear of the Lord, it's like I, I, I want to see his. I don't ever want to, to see him uh, not to be pleased. That's, but same time, he is telling me that I alone on my own, I cannot please him. His pleasure is in bruising of his son. His ultimate pleasure for you, it pleased him to bruise his son. So that, so that we are not going to be bruised. There's no, need, there's no usefulness of being bruised yeah. by God. The devil wants to bruise you. The, the enemy wants to bruise you. People want to bruise you. But God has no pleasure in bruising you. No pleasure. Just like a no dad has a pleasure in bruising their children. This is no pleasure. Even when they discipline us. It's, it's, it's not a pleasure. His pleasure, the Father's pleasure to see us do well. If there's any discipline, it's like a training. Because dads, good dads and good moms want to see you doing well. Want to see you prepared for everything that you're going to face. And so how much more our Heavenly Father wants to train us to show how great he is, 
how wonderful he is, how smart he is, how powerful he is. So there is no pleasure of him to bruise, but his pleasure in you is because you have received the son whom he bruised to take the bruising off of you. Woo! To take, to take the punishment. The punishment that do us went on Jesus. Ooh. I feel the pleasure of the Lord as a father. And it's so appropriate that we have a father in the house for the dear, these dear sons and daughter. It's so appropriate. Ooh. And I tell you, everyone in the body of Christ needs a father yes. and a mother in the Lord. Yes. If you don't have one, ask the Lord. He will give you someone who will be a dad and a mom to you in the Lord. We all need that. Because we are family. And Yes, ultimately, no one is a father but our Heavenly Father. But we need fathers to demonstrate that God is our Father. Do you understand? Not that we, we are relying on them and pulling on them, but fathers make you aware of your Heavenly Father. That's what the Father function is to make you aware that you have a Heavenly Father. Amen. And that's the role of us being fathers and mothers in the Lord, is to demonstrate, continuously encourage us to understand and to grasp that we have a heavenly father. Because we, we cannot carry you. You need to know how much God is father is carrying you. Amen. That's why moms and dads train you so you're ready to carry the gospel to others. Woo. And, and this is a family. This church feels like a family. It's so much like a family. I don't remember to have gotten so many greetings and hugs. From another place. I mean, from the airport, they greeted me with hugs. But they expected me, and I expected that. But then... It wasn't just a greeter in the front, in the parking lot, then the front, and then the second front, and third front, and all the way. There was at least two dozens, at least two dozens, at least two dozens. You know, in, the, in North America, the, most, the largest group of believers, Protestant, are, 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 are Baptists, because they're the friendliest uh, denomination. On a, on a regular basis, you get every visitor, every person gets at least five greetings. I got 15 here. At least. You're, you're, you're better than the Baptist. Praise the Lord. I really admire our brothers, our Baptist brothers and sisters. I encourage all my pastors, says, be at least as, as friendly as the Baptist people. 
They're so friendly. That's why they're the biggest. And not that we're into necessarily number and size, but you're bound to grow. You're bound to grow. But every one of you need to step into being a f- trained to be a father and mother. Because that is how we're going to grow as a family. Not just as a number, as a, you know, corporation is a, to show. But as family. How can we grow as family by each member of the family as we're treating you as a son, as a daughter? It's a training for you to be a mother and a father for others and to treat them like sons and daughters. And if I, if I, if I can, 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 you know, prophetically tell you the word of the Lord is, is that that which you have as a family now are going to spread toward the, the regions and the nations around you because God is unwilling to, to just, he wants, he, he wants family. He, he will bless you so much, but he will not fully be empowering you until you step into the role of a father and mother for someone. Then you're going to experience a completely different level of anointing. Completely different level of, of, of a satisfaction inside. Fulfillment. You do not know the fullness of that, how fulfilled you are meant, meant to be, made to be, until you step and say, Lord, I like to care for someone, and I like to make someone feel like a son and a daughter for God. That, brother, sister, it's going to fulfill your life. You will be the happiest son and daughter on the face of the world inside you're going to be you're going to be you're going to be melting you know and you're going to be fulfilled Woo! because that's when the juice the most the pleasure of the lord is going to come through you because he was pleased to bruise his son so that he could take away the punishment and the anger and the rejection and, the, and, the, and the, the loneliness and the despair. Listen, people around, even if they look well-dressed inside, unless they have that relationship with God as a father. And it doesn't come in any other way but through embracing the son. In an embracing of the son... We embrace everything that God did to take away the rejection, to take away sin is is distorted identity first. Sin is not just doing something sinful. In is a is a verb. My wife have has a whole. Uh, both of us have a, a revelations on. And particularly Romans chapter 6 and, and 7 and 8. 
And in, in her book about the Romans 6, basically this is just the Romans 6 verses from over 70, 80 translations. She puts them in as she reads. She, she has a collection of 140 translations. And, and reads them thoroughly. She would take one, one uh, book like Galatians, six chapters, and she would read it for two years, only in the book of Galatians, every day, and 70, 80, 90 translations. And she even made me translate the book of Galatians from Bulgarian. <laughs> because she doesn't speak Bulgarian. She made me read it to her. And when we arrived to the Galatians 2.20, she stopped me. And she says, what did you say? I says, I've been co-crucified with Christ. She goes, are you making this up? I says, no. Say it again. I, I says, I've been co-crucified. She says, where did you come up with this co? It's in my Bulgarian Bible. You mean it doesn't say I've, I'm, I've been crucified with Christ? No, it doesn't. I've been co-crucified with him. And I go, she goes, says that in Bulgarian. I says, that says that in Bulgarian. In fact, I just noticed it now. <laughs> I, I, it, it's so, you're used to your language, you don't see that it says co-crucified. Well, there's no English Bible that says that. So she grabs the, the Greek uh, Concordance and in, 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 in the dictionary and section. And, and it, yes, it says co-crucified. The word crucified is a different number than the word co-crucified. Because co-crucified has a prefix, co. Which, which is the, uh, according to the definition of the, of the Greek, it's this, this, the word co is the smallest. It, it's actually not a word, it's a prefix. It, it denotes the, the closest intimate union. Closest intimate union. Co-crucified means two hands, one nail. Yours and his. Co. He's not, you're not next to him like the other thieves. You're on the cross. You're on the cross. When he died, he didn't die alone. You died with him. He didn't just come to set you free from your sins. First, he came to set you free from you. <laughs> set you free from you. And then set all of us free from you. Hallelujah. Freedom from you. Yay. And set us free from each other. Because God does not want backbiting and stabbing and things like that inside his family. He wants love and respect and honor and esteeming each other better than ourselves. This is the spirit of the gospel. Jesus, how lofty he is, yet he stoops down all the way to the, to the poor and the dirt. Who is like the Lord our God? How lofty he is, yet he stoops down, Psalm 113, to the poor on the dirt and to the needy on the garbage dump. Now, maybe you don't have visible garbage dumps, but many cities in the world do. 
Uh, I don't know if you're from Philippines. In Philippines, uh, we have a big garbage dump called Smoky Mountain. It's huge. It's enormous. And people live there. Something like half a million people live on and from the garbage dump. People actually born and raised, you know. And my wife is really... Uh, wants to go all the time and visit people who live in a garbage dump. And, and she just had that drive, that just this passion to go. And, and, and even that, I mean, sometimes we bring food, we bring water sometimes, handkerchief, different gloves, things. But she just wants to go visit. And she sometimes would spend some time, an hour or more, with just one person. And she doesn't speak her language. But she's spending time, the language of love. The language of love talks even without translation. And, and this, that's, that's her. And, and, and I, I, it, I mean, honestly, I would not go to the garbage dump. Because not only it stinks, but also it hurts for me. It hurts me to see people live like that. And this, I'm so frustrated. I don't know what to do. I don't want to see it. But my wife keeps going. It keeps bringing me with my violin. You think I play good because I'm practicing in the garbage dumps. All the time. Practicing, practicing. My wife says, serenade this lady here. Serenade this person here. Come on. Come around, and she just loving her, and I be serenade, and people get touched and begin to weep, just as the presence of the Lord comes around. One, one, uh, one, uh, one group we have we usually have groups with us, and, and uh, those two two girls says as soon as you showed up and got close to this one lady that they were loving on, but she was embarrassed. I mean, you know, they're so dirty, and here you are, and trying to talk to them, and they just, they're just embarrassed. You know, they don't want to touch you. Their hands are like black, right? And so, I, but as soon as I came and stopped, she says, as soon as you showed up, Jesus showed up behind you in a white suit, like a wedding suit, and with a pink, ro a pink flower. And... Within a few minutes of me playing, uh, those two ladies begin to lift up their hands and lift their eyes from down to up. And they accepted Jesus. Accepted Jesus. Because through our loving and through our, our serving and through our kind, kind retreatment, Jesus shows up. And touches people even when you don't speak their language. Ooh. So he is so lofty, yet he comes down. Psalm 113. My wife never read that psalm in that way until she started going to the garbage dump. And then one day she read it from the New Living Translation. says garbage dump. Some of the translations says uh, ash heap and other things, and you don't get that. It's actually a garbage dump. But when you read it in, in, in a translation, then you realize Jesus goes there. And what does he do? He stoops down and does what? Lifts him up. 
He lifts the needy and the poor, lifts them up and seats them. Those are the poor and the needy. He seats them even with the princes of his people. Even with the princes of his own people. Brothers and sisters, our ministry is to lift up. So as I said, maybe people around you don't look garbage dump type. But with, without what Jesus has done to wash their soul and to cleanse them from shame and from rejection and fill them, fill the emptiness with his spirit, people feel like garbage. Not a, even an expensive clothes can feel like garbage if you don't have that love inside. Even the most expensive clothing cannot fulfill the longing of, of how valuable you are. There's, there's no clothing that can add value to you. Quickly, even after the most expensive dress, you put it on and you forget. And you're still lonely and you're still down. And that's why we have people who commit suicide, even, even famous. So many famous people. Loneliness finally get to you and you cannot stand it. And you want to add, end your life. But that's where Jesus came. To lift you up from that life of loneliness. That line, life of rejection. If you're here with the rejection, God is going to impart to you. Deep. Deeply into the core of your being. That he took that rejection on the cross. He put it on himself. Your rejection. He took on the cross. That's why it says, I have been co-crucified. The I means ego. The, the Greek word, I have been crucified. I have been co-crucified. I is the ego word, Greek word. Which is the self which is something that happened after the fall. Adam and Eve were wonderfully enjoying God. The glory of the Lord was on and they were uh, enjoying. And then when, and when, the, when, the, when the seducer, the liar, seduced them and lied to them into partaking of a tree, the Lord said, don't go in there. Don't even touch it. Because the day you touch that tree, the way you partake of that tree, that day you will surely die. Now, of course, he didn't die physically. The Bible says he lived over 800 years. Nine, excuse me, over 900 years. But the death that he's talking about is separation. Death causes separation. So when, when, when God says you will die, meaning you will be separated from me. And all of a sudden, now you're going to... Go inside this world of, of you, but without me. The world of you without me is the most, the most darkest place on earth. And don't look at the shining lights and the nice cars and the beautiful you know, buildings and all, all good. But without, without him, you feel, you feel in the darkness. Yes. It's a pit of self. Yes. It's the world of, of yourself. 
but without him. And that is the most uh, biggest idol as well as the most biggest treacherous, it is the, the most biggest, the pit of self. That's what they fell. And brothers and sisters, we were in the loins of our father, Adam, our entire race, different color, different, but we were all in that first mother and father. So in the old, in the earth, first Adam, we all fell into the pit of self. I'm by myself. <laughs> I want to be by myself. Pitiful song about a pitiful experience. We all know very well how lonely that is. And Jesus came to take that away. Lift us up from the pit of self. That is the biggest garbage dump. No matter even the most good-looking self and the most educated self and the most well-trained self and the most money-acquiring uh, self, the self is a pit. That the only good thing you can do with the self is nailing it to the cross. Nailing it to the cross. And we as a community have the authority to demonstrate self-free life. This is the name of your church. Life. Life. More abundant life. Free from the bondage of your self as a separate entity. Self as a separate entity from God. This is what true life is when the Lord, through His cross, through His suffering, through His nails yourself to Himself. And that's what it means to He who knew no sin. In other words, He who knew no separation from ever from the Father. He and the Father were one. In fact, that's why those religious uh, leaders crucified Him because they... They, they, they couldn't stand it. Someone says, I and the Father are one. Yeah. Yeah. But brothers and sisters, every one of us in Christ can stand and say, I and the Father are one. On. I and the Father are one. And that is the biggest thing that, you know, that we have the richest. Yeah. This is, this is the, our legacy. This is our heritage. This is our inheritance for God. It's, it's, it's not just external things. That's okay. They come to you. Especially if you give them up for Jesus. They'll come to you. Riches and blessings will pursue you. Because Jesus is inside you. And Jesus always attracted good things. I mean, he personally didn't need a bank. But he's like a bank himself. Because around him there's... Banker, women supplying him with every resource. It says their names. We, we got the bankers' names. Jesus has got bankers around him. So don't worry about it. If, when, when you, when you uh, step into Christ, and then when you step into where Christ is stepping, you're going to attract bankers. Because Jesus, it's, he, he's... 
the banker of all bankers. And as you're stepping in him, don't worry about it. The reason he says give up all your things because those are things of bondages. Meaning give up those dependencies on whatever. You know, but no one who has given up land and this and houses and will, will, will go without. In his lifetime, in this life, they'll have family and bank and everything and houses. But he wants us to set us free from the, the control of things. Because he wants to be the only one that he could, because he controls with love. He doesn't control with force. Things can control you with force and you get it through your nose sometimes because, because that's how it is. Everything has hooks and everything, but Jesus doesn't. He's a source of blessings only. He's a source of blessing only. When, when there's no strings attached, he's a giver. He's a giver. He doesn't do something to get something. He wants you. And he's a giver. And as a father will give, and mom and dad and the father, they take care of kids. God is a giver. Ooh. Oh. Jesus is so good. Am I ministering to you? What are you getting out of this so far? Are you getting how good Father is? That he wants you to demonstrate what a great Father he is to others. And get him out of that bondage of like orphans try to take care of themselves. Yeah, yeah. Nothing wrong with taking care of you and working, but not like an orphan. Not like an orphan. Orphan, orphan grabs things. Orphan is unsure. Orphan is an orphan. Even when you pray, orphans pray differently than sons and daughters. Orphans always beg like something is not there. Sons, sons are praying from Seated with, with, with Christ. So like, you know, you're praying, but you're praying from heaven perspective. What does that mean? It's because he ever, li ever lives to intercede for you. So orphan prays to get him to do something. Sons hears the prayers Sons and daughters hear the prayers of the son who is praying to the father for you and for those who you are. So, so sons hear the prayer and, and they pray, but they repeat the prayers of Jesus for you and the situation. They're not trying to figure out what to say, but they're hearing. In fact, it says that the spirit also Romans 8, also groans. Why is he groaning? Because <laughs> he's here with us. Said, Jesus, it's easy for you up there relaxing in heaven. You're praying. I'm praying. I'm putting up with them. They're not getting that. No, I'm joking. Just joking. I'm just joking. But in other words, you have the spirit and the, and the, the, the son together praying. It's like a stereo prayer. And so you get to hear what the what the, what the Spirit is saying, what the, first what Jesus is saying, and then you pray those prayers. Yeah. You kind of are repeating them. 
Amen. Then we're lining up with how he's going to win the city. How he's going to change the city. How he's going to win the inhabitants. How he's going to spread the gospel beyond this region into the other nations around. Because God has a plan for the nations. He's, he's planned to disciple the nations through you and through me. Amen. Woo! Oh. I'm, I'm chilling. I'm all over. All over this place here. Because I'm feeling good. I feel like a kid in a candy shop. Because I hear, I hear your hearts. I see your faces. And I'm just relaxing. I'm chilling because I want to minister to you. And I don't just... You know, I want to get to know you. And even for a second, I get you. Wow. I give me, God gives me a snapshot. Of, and I'm going around and blessing different people here. I'm hearing the Lord for you. Wow. Woo. Plus, my plane is not until midnight, so I have time. Plus, your, your, your parents in the Lord, your, your, your pastor, and, 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 and go for it. Don't rush. My people want deep things of the word. So I'm just giving appetizers. I'm warming up. I'm getting to know you. I'm, I'm, I'm locking in with different wants of you, and I'm, I'm just connecting I get the, I can read you really quick. It's the Lord. He knows you. He reads you. He knows you. And, 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 and he's acquainting me with, with you. Wow. <laughs> wow. So back to this word that we talked about, Sin. You know, we always think about sinning, doing, doing something. But in, in, in the Romans 6 alone, that word is mentioned 17 times. Out of the 17 times, only once is mentioned verb. And the other 16 times is a noun. It's two words. A noun and a verb. And so when Paul uses that word as a noun... When he says, how, how can we live in sin any longer? Because he's talking about a noun. Not, says, how can we keep doing this and that? But first he's saying, how can we live in? So a noun is in, in, in English is what? You know, it's a three things. It's a, it's a person, a person. A thing, a thing, a person, and a place. That, that is a noun. While verb is an action and so forth. So a noun is a thing. Obviously, it's not a person, but it's a thing. At least it's a thing. Sin is at least a thing that you live in it. You can almost say a place, like a world. Like the Bible says, we're in this world, but not of it. We have lived in, we're living now in another world. And in fact, it says in... In, uh, in, in Romans 6, in a, in a message translation, it says, how can we live, let, let me open it, this, 
Each translation is beautiful. I actually have 12 translations with me at all times. My bag is heavy. But you should try to carry my wife's bag. She's got 70 carrying. Oi. But you get a, you, 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 when, you, when you read the different translations, you get adjusted to what they're saying. Each, each translation at different, says different things. I mark them up. I have a color-coordinated thing. You don't know my color coding. I do. And through the years of, of reading, I have my color coordination. And so at a glance, I could spot something immediately from my experience with the Lord. When you read, you know, let there be an experience for you. Because word is alive. You cannot read it just as a book. But you have to read it like word is a a person also. He was made. Like, we're, like everything about Christianity is about a person. Like he was made flesh. The word was made flesh to start with. You know. And, and then it says he, Christ, was made unto us redemption. Our redemption, our salvation is wrapped in a, in a person. Not just something that you do or something you to just believe. But someone who was made to us to redeem us, a redeemer. Redemption is a redeemer, a person. Just like even healing. Healing is not just that, that he heals you, but he is healing. Like when we get healed, basically we get another dose, another revelation of Christ's healing. Since don't take healing just as, okay, my pain is gone, but actually Jesus is inside plucking it. And he does not want to let it get back in there. So, so it's a person. Everything about Christianity is tied in with the person of Jesus Christ. It's not just a philosophy, although it will give you ideas in your mind, but it's a person. Anybody has a philosophy, but only one God is a person. Amen. That's why, that's why he says, if you're thirsty... Come to me and drink. He didn't say if you're thirsty, come to me and think. <laughs> no, 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 come to me. I'm coming, I'm thinking. No, it's, I'm not just, you don't just think me. You drink me. <laughs> Christianity is different than just thinking. Nothing wrong with thinking. We will get there. But first, you cannot start with your thinking. Because you're going to end up in another religion. Every religion tells you what to think. Only Christianity tells you what to drink. Because only Christianity has a substance, a something, actually someone. And, and here's, here's the difference between... Thinking and drinking. Okay, I'll illustrate. Evian, water. Mineral, natural, water. Mm. From the French Alps. Oh. For those of you who speak Arabic, it's got... I'm just speaking English. 
And so I keep, keep reading and thinking and thinking until I pass out from dehydration. <laughs> Or I can open the top. Heavy mm. arm water. Mm. Very good. Mm. Refreshing. What is the difference? One and went into my mind. One and went into my belly. He says, out of your belly shall flow rivers. Out of your innermost belly. Out of your innermost belly. It's beyond our physical, but it is physical. But beyond that. It's in the core, out of the core of who you are. That's why the identity that we're talking about is so vital. Because we're not just mental philosophy. Christianity is not, that's why I avoid argument or anything. Because this is a place of philosophers and there is no need to stay in that arena. You have Jesus in your heart, in the core of who you are, in the core of who you are, what makes you a son, and then what raises you to become a father, because he's both a son and a father, which makes a family. That's why heaven is like a family. That's why here feels like a family, because Father and the Son. And, 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 and also, the Son calls himself bridegroom. Not just a son, but he calls himself bridegroom. So, Father calls himself, God the Father calls himself Father, then God the Son calls himself, beside a son, he's also bridegroom. He calls himself bridegroom. We are the bride. You know, he, we didn't call ourselves, could you, could you call us bride? He calls himself a bridegroom. And bridegroom treat their spouses like a wife, like a bride. So we have two uh, identity as far as functional. One is we function as sons. We identify the sons and daughters. Woo! And then we also identify as bride. So, so, guys, I mean, I know it's a little different for us guys to think ourselves a bride. But get over it. Because it is what it is. He's not going to accommodate our guy thinking. Because he calls himself a, a bridegroom. And, you know, for girls, he calls, he calls you sons. So you can't go, well, get over it, girls. You're sons. We all are sons. 
So girls, get over your girl thing and because you're sons. And guys, get over your guy thing because we're also a bride. So both females, I don't know what to tell. But it is both family. It's both what makes a beautiful family, a real family. It's, it's, it's a bride and bridegroom, and then they fall in love, and out of that relationship comes sons and daughters. Amen. And the natural is the same way. And so you, as a bride, as a, as a sons and daughters, you are, are going to birth into the region exactly what you are. Exactly what in these guys' hearts, in this couple's hearts, is it, it's coming here. And exactly as, as you are, that's what it comes here. And, this, and exactly as what you are is going over there. And that's how the, 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 the family of God grows without control. Because as this beautifully portrayed here, John proudly calls himself a son for pastor. Not like I have to do this. But he is enjoying. I hear, I hear pleasure and enjoyment. And there's authority. It's not a control. It's a, the authority of God. It's not the control of God. It's the authority of God. It's a godly thing. That's why you're going to, you're going to multiply Amen. yourself. Amen. You're going to multiply exactly the way you are with your personality. Because each church has a personality. Your church has a personality. You're passing it on. This church has a personality. It's exactly how you talk to each other and to me as we, we talk today. It's exactly how this personality is on all of you. And then that comes in you and, and puts you into the beautiful, safe place of a family. And then as you're growing into it, around you people see that's the Jesus they're going to see. Exactly like you. Not like John, like you. But as just like he calls himself a son, just like you call yourself son, then they call you father too. Yeah. Uh, but you're not going to be controlling father, but you're going to teach him about the heavenly father. And, 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 and there is always a close tight, close relational. It's not control. It's relational. We always want a dad. In fact, I didn't, like I said, didn't have natural bad, but I always wanted to have my dad. I never even got bitter because he just wasn't around. Whatever the case for me is irrelevant. I did see him a few times in the city, and I wanted to, I mean, stop and say hi. Don't even know how to say the word dad because it's not exactly demonstrated. But, but you know, the, the desire, and he was a cool guy. I like to be around him. Dads always have an attraction. Yeah. Yeah. When you become, when you step into your being a dad and a mom from the Lord, you become attractive. There's a dad attraction and mom attraction. Each has different roles. Dad is a, more of the identity. The mom, the, 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 the nurturing and things like So we're just both like God, God's God, both of them. And, and we, uh, uh, the children always want their dads and moms. Amen? Amen? So see, you're going to grow organically. 
into a, 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 a bonding. There's a supernatural bonding that you may be sent to the nations and still you go call Amen. your dad in the Lord, dad, forever. Amen. Proud to be a dad. And if you could have several moms and dads throughout the, because you're growing and God is supplying different things, different, you know, amen? amen? And we know how that, and they give us identity. Like, like I carry the identity of joy. Of course, uh, it's not just uh, <laughs> laughing, although it is. It's not just smiling, although it is. I smile a lot. I laugh a lot. And, 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 and I, I have a celebrative heart because God has shown me the value he places in human beings. And, and, and he's showing me, in fact, the, the calling of a global celebration came from Luke chapter 15 about the father who ran to his son as he saw the son approaching, coming to his senses. The father just overjoyed ran to his son and the bible says he fell on his neck affectionate affectionate word fell on his neck and began to kiss him holy kisses holy hugs i've gotten holy hugs and holy kisses on the way here doesn't and and this is what we Demonstrate the father. Oh, my son is coming. Welcome to, you know. And every, every gathering is, is exciting. We're celebrating one another. Yeah. We're celebrating newcomers. We're celebrating yeah. brothers and sisters. That is the spirit of the father who is overjoyed and running down. Running down because he's, my son is back. He was dead. He was separated. Now he's back. Oh. And, and, then, and then he says, quickly. Slaughter the fatted calf. You know, bring the best robe. Bring that robe of righteousness. Put it in my son. Put a ring, ring of, of sonship. Put the authority back where the enemy stole it. Put it back. You know, you got a ministry. I want you to know that God is giving you pockets full of rings. Bags full of rings. Bags full of rings. What's in your pocket? I don't know. God is putting rings. You get the privilege to put a ring on someone who's been treated like trash. Someone who's or been puffed up and exalted and yet he's empty. And you get to put a sonship on him. A sonship. Rich or poor. Foreigner. It doesn't matter without, without knowing the Lord as a, as a father. It's lonely, lonely. And you get to put, restore that, uh, that, 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 that identity, restore that, honoring that human being as God created them for himself. Amen. See, yeah, I hear you. I see your pockets full of rings. Bags full of rings. I see you walking with bags full of rings. Rings for honoring sons and daughters that God has chosen to sacrifice his son for that. Wow. 
robes of righteousness. You're giving Jesus, you're covering their shame. You're covering their, their uh, rejection and restoring them. Robes is authority and, and, and feet. Wow. And then quickly slaughter the fatted calf. The big feasting. The nations are waiting for celebration feasting. Come on, I see you coming and going. One after another. Every uh, gathering, your testimony of what just happened. We were just in Bulgaria. We flew from my, my native country. We were in the middle of the country in this poor and very violent neighborhood. And the, the, the Holy Spirit has transformed that neighborhood. And that neighborhood has not, uh, I mean, at night, every night they worship for 20 years. Over 20 years now, 22 years. Every night they worship. No television, no nothing. They're just worshiping. There's, they're poor, but they got rich in Jesus. Worship. It was a building smaller than this size, and now we build a bigger one because it's growing. And, for, and, and, uh, and, it's, and then we, we come once a year. And, uh, and, and, and so the, my daughter actually says, Dad, we should feed them because we go to a nice restaurant. And we leave. And what they got to eat? Very little things. So I go, what do you, what do you mean? And at the time, there were like 6,000 people. How do you feed 6,000 people? My, dad, my, my daughter goes, I don't know, Dad. You figure it out, but you should feed him. <laughs> I'm going, I'm just my daughter. Like, but that child pushed me. And it put the challenge in my mind. I'm thinking, oh, God, what, how, how do you do that? And God goes, oh, easy. And guess what? Next year, we did a feast for 6,000 people. 6,000. Do you know how many pots... Big pots like that. Do you know how many pots are needed? Just think about that. It's like a whole uh, a street lined up with pots, borrowing pots from all over. It's a huge thing. Do you know how much wood is needed? Truck load, trucks load of wood to, to, to cook. And their favorite meal is fat sheep stew. The fatter, the better. The fatter, the better. So we're buying these sheep. They're buying. We just give the money. They buy these big animals. You should see my uh, Facebook and my uh, Instagram, Georgian Battle Instagram. And you see that this year again. So now they're close to 8,000, almost 9,000, and, and, and growing. Wow. And, and so we buy the sheep, and, and then we, they slaughter it all night. It's an all-night deal. <laughs> oh, my God. And my wife loved, not love, but she wants to see the slaughter of the sheep because says, that's Jesus. Wow. I was like, oh, boy, I don't look at it. Because it's just, <laughs> but she is a tough, tough woman. And, and she sees and she cries, of course, but it's the slaughter of the lamb. Sheep is very trusting. They don't fight like pigs. <laughs> pigs say, like, you know, sheep just... Amazing.
There must be some spiritual purpose for this. So spiritual, I'm trying to figure out what is the spiritual, is this the joke? Whoa! Is there any phones around here? I don't want to miss my flight. I'm just trying to, can somebody give me my iPhone? <laughs> Or just show me the time. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay, 6.30, we still got a few minutes left. I have not started preaching yet. I'm just kind of, I'm throwing little bites, you know, I'm trying to get to know you because I, you mean to me, a family. You're not just another, uh, you know, a congregation. I'm, I'm remembering your face because guys putting us into a relationship. Ooh. I mean, I've heard about Dubai, but who goes to Dubai? All the way. I mean, in, you know, in the world, it's like, oh, it's Dubai. Okay out there somewhere <laughs> but meeting John and Kelsey uh, over in Sri Lanka that's another place who goes to Sri Lanka <laughs> it's like, for me like you know how far that is how far from this world that, that, that I'm in but the Lord is connecting and I heard so much about uh, Kirby, he can't stop laughing. Lay hands on everybody, let them laugh. I heard about Kirby and Fiona for a long time from a son in the Lord, you know, uh, Daniel. Uh, and I go, he says, man, you really need to meet this uh, Kirby. And the presence of God is so, so strong. I'm going, well, presence of God is strong. Every place I go is a very strong presence. Do I have to go all the way to Sri Lanka? <laughs> But it's, he first came to New York and we met and my staff first met him so far and we just began to realize that there's a relationship that God is creating. And, and I felt the same thing. I says, my wife needs to come here with me next time. My wife needs to be here with me. I mean, forgive me, but I never met you before, okay? I don't expose my wife to just about like this, because my wife is radical. I've lost quite a few churches over my wife. I have. Churches that I would have a relationship and so forth, goodbye, because my wife. She was backslidden and, 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 you know, for close to 10 years. 
During the whole vaccine season, I had no problem with these churches. <laughs> but now my wife got touched and on fire for God. Now I, I have problems because she's too much. Oh, your wife. I go, she's fine now. Before she was back to me, you didn't say nothing. Oh, poor George. But now she's on fire and something is too much. I'm sorry, but I like it the way she is now. So if you can't handle her, I, I don't know what to tell you. I have to find some new friends. Because I'm not letting go of my wife. I like her. Drunk and wild and bold. Ho! Wild and bold for Jesus. In fact, I'm originally from Bulgaria, and I was, me and, I was part of the first rock and roll band in Bulgaria, 1965. Some of you weren't even born. And I was already on national television doing this rock show thing, and I was just with my rock and roll friends in Bulgaria, so I'm thinking. And, and uh, so, you know, we were wild and crazy, and the communists eventually shut us down because we became a trouble for them. Um, and then... I eventually escaped because they shut us down, so I escaped. That's what pushed me to, be, to go on freedom. And so eventually I went all the way to Hollywood seeking for freedom, and they didn't find it. They were disappointed. And the Jesus people were in the streets of Los Angeles and began to witness to me. Jesus loves you. He really does. He died for you. I'm going, what are you on, man? <laughs> What kind of a drug? Well, it's not a drug. It's a Jesus you love. Good thing that the Lord gave him a word of knowledge to, to, to feed me. Because that was accurate, and that saved the day. Because their food was good, so I got hooked. Belly hook. Next day, around 6 o'clock, I'm going... Hmm, I don't know about that, Jesus, but I like that food. Let me, let me. And so my belly began to talk to me. My mind kept going, there's no God. Because I was raised by the Marxist, communist. But my belly goes, oh, yes, there is. Get back in there. There was a tug of war. Guess who won? My belly. <laughs> food evangelism. That's what is powerful. Food. If you can cook, use it. It's a powerful tool for the gospel. But if you can't cook, don't, don't try it. Okay, just take him to a restaurant or something like that. You don't want to chase him away. Anyways, these guys were good cook. So I got, I got powerfully saved through their love and more than cook, of course, his hospitality and all that. And I had an open experience with God. He showed up. It was amazing. And eventually, I went to a school, and I met what to be my wife, eventually. And, um, and so, all these years, I prayed for Bulgaria because communism, control, I, don't, I didn't ever believe that I will see my, my, my people, my home. And, and then they fell, suddenly. Wow. I'm telling you, what you think is here, and it's forever it's going to change. There's suddenlies for God. There's suddenlies. And your situation 
it, even if it looks impossible, it will change. Stay with the Lord because He's the God of the suddenlies. One look, one look can a nation be saved in a day. There was once a nation who was in the desert eating, eaten, eaten up by snakes. And the leader showed one thing, a snake and a copper, copper snake and, and a pole type of Christ in one look. And reverse the plague. One look, one look. You have the look, it's Jesus. Nailed to the cross, carry him. Carry him because if they see one look, they see. It's on your face, the look of, of how powerful Jesus is. Who came to destroy the poisonous snake from inside out. So we are no longer, we are no longer uh, part of the, the poisonous, venomous snake. One look and, and, the, and the poison was gone. The curse was gone. Shakarabababa. Oh, I see this. I see you so powerful. I see you so powerful. Greater than Moses. Greater than Moses. Greater than Moses. The authority that, that, that opened the, the Red Sea is a new. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Please don't miss the moments. The older I get, the more I cherish my moments. Because God cherishes my moments. Because every moment He He in, in infusing me with another look of Himself, the greater the He who is in me. It's, it's like a like a flash of no, he's putting imprints. So as you expose your eyes, as you put your eyes on Jesus, he just imprints himself. Through your spiritual eyes, he imprints himself on you. And, and, and that's what people see, what you allow people, what you allow the Lord to imprint. Through look, it's a look away. It's always a look. It's another look. Keep, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep looking onto Jesus. It's a, it's, a, it's a kind of a moment by moment. And cherish it. At the end of the day, you have so many moments which you were able to look at him. And see beyond the situation. And Please keep your eyes on Jesus. I'm saying because he, he continuously paints his image on our heart as we're looking into him. He don't even notice how it happened. But he's making us into his image. Looking unto him. We're like this masterpiece. His masterpiece. That's what... In, in Ephesians talked about we work of art which is actually masterpiece. Yeah. 
You're one of a kind. Whew. One of a kind. You're so powerful. You're a champion. There was, the scientist says, nearly two billions of you going after the egg of, the, of your mother. Two billions of you. This is an enormous study of how you end up fertilizing the egg of your mother. The gene of your father was in you and two billion of others ran and could not even get to it. And finally you outdid them all. There's actually 200 of the 2 billion. I don't need a mic. I can do it. <laughs> it doesn't. Oh, okay. Here we go. Out of the 2 billion, they say that 200 uh, little use, other use than you, <laughs> actually get to the egg and start drilling. I mean, you should see the study. It's visual. It's amazing. On YouTube somewhere. <laughs> in the YouTube land. And you pierced in. You. You. You are a champion. You are a champion. Your existence proves what a champion you are. What a champion you are. Look at your neighbor and say, you are a champion. You're a champion. You're a champion. Massive champion. It's, 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 it's bigger than the Olympics. You're a sprinter. You're a fighter. You're a go-getter. You're a marathoner. You are unstoppable. Greater is he who is in you. Greater is he who is in you. Greater is that Jesus Christ in you. Not around you, not just around you, yes, around you, but more so in you. And no one can pluck him out. No one has the power. Woo! Just like you fertilize the egg of your mother, no one can take that away. You're in it. You're inside your mother's egg, and that egg is inside her womb. You're from the womb of New Jerusalem is your mother. We're not from Hagar, the slave woman. It's not about a race or anything like that. It was two women. Don't worry about the races. It's a two women. There's always these two women. And one was a slave, which corresponds to Mount Sinai in case. He didn't, that's what in the book of Galatians, Sinai, from when the bondage came. Till this day, Paul says, that corresponds to Jerusalem, uh, birthing slaves. Slaves that crucified the son. Those are slaves. Those are not spiritual leaders. They're spiritual slaves. They crucified the Christ who says, I am a son. I am the son of the living God. The slaves crucify. There's always a slave spirit trying to crucify the son in you. With their words, with the way they treat you, with the way. Who do you think you are? Don't allow, because these slaves are going to become free through you. The way you treat them, you're going to take the slaves out of them. You are going to take 
the Ishmael out of them. You're going to take the Hagar out. It's not about gender or a race or, or a color. It's about a spiritual analogy. It's a spiritual uh, picture of what happened. Woo! One is self doing it. The other one is the free woman who was called into being the mother, but yet even could not even produce in the natural, which is an analogy, which is, which is uh, what the gospel is about. It's about. The gospel is about barren woman purposefully chosen, barren woman, and a, a, a husband who was able, so to speak. But the wife had the problem. And so now they came up with this, okay, take my slave woman and have me a son from her. Don't try it today, okay? It doesn't work today. It's a different culture, completely different thing. It doesn't work. At the time, it was okay. Not today. <laughs> and so, so there came a son, but the son, the blessing of the Lord would not go to him. He says, I'm not going to bless, bless this guy. I'm going to bless a son from your Wife from the free woman. Free from performers, brothers and sisters. Sarah was purposefully unable so that God can show the whole world what the gospel is about. It's about the power of God when we cannot do anything right. When we are unable to, we cannot produce good. But we're waiting now for Abraham because the story is not just about Sarah, but it's about Abraham who thought he was okay. He thought, hey, give me another woman. I'll tell you what I can do. Oh, really? What are you going to do? You're going to uh, 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 just uh, birth something of your own doings. It says a conniving in one, one place. Not going to bless it. God's not going to bless your self-effort. Not going to bless your performance. No, no, no. So, 75 years old, he they leaves his own. And at 86, he does his own thing. But then, at 99, he's no longer able to do anything. In fact, his loins are dead. Finito. No action. God shows up. When we're finally done with what we need to do to help God, because he doesn't know what he's doing. He's up there, to, doesn't know what's going on here. We need, okay, God, you chill down. I'll, I'll help you. I'll cover your mistake. You, you gave me the wrong woman, but I'll, I'll fix it. No, now there is, now you're the wrong guy. Before it was her problem. Now it's your problem. Good. Now we have totally a problem situation. God goes, good, because now I'm going to show up, and I'm going to do what now you know you didn't help me. And now, because the gospel is going to start now, when you cannot help me, we need, somebody needs to hear it, because believe it or not, one of the worst religion is the, is the, is the self-made religion. And, and it can sink into the Christianity, uh, uh, but it will wreck us. This, this self-made thing is not belongs to us we are birth we are from the free woman who could not have children and then we're from the father whose loins are dead <laughs> because it's very important that you are not sons and daughters of your own pride yeah. 
of your own performance. Very important that the gospel is a pride-free community. That the only pride we have together is upon our daddy. And we are proud of our fathers who are proud, who teach us how to be proud only in the Lord. The humility of fathers who are, you know, what, 26 years you said? He's, huh? 36 years he's pointing to the Father. And that is the fatherhood that we're given the honor to point to Heavenly Father and to the Son who accomplished what we could not. The cross. On the cross he accomplished what we could never do. He nails the old self. He nails the I. He nails the I. And at, at 99... Abraham is no longer I. No longer I. God shows up. Abraham, how's it going? <laughs> getting up there at 99, getting old. How does it feel? Tell me. God is not interested in any of your sob story. He shows up and says, hey, look at me. I'm the almighty. Hang out with me and see what I'm going to do. What I will do, I will change, I will change, I will change, I will change, I will change and make a permanent change. I will change your identity. I will change who you are. I will change. I have the power to what you cannot do. You're only birthing self-pride. You're only birthing another, another bondage. Because it corresponds to the law. It corresponds to the religious the religious mob, they crucified Jesus, the only bondage. It doesn't get worse than that for the God himself to show up and you want to kill him. By your, you're saying oh, you're the worshiper of God and you're killing God. It doesn't get any worse. Amen? So the pride cannot be there in who, in your own. God changes things by taking your self-glory and self-pride and taking it out and putting a new name. He says, I'm going to take, starting your name, which is your identity. I'll take Abram and I'm going to change it to Abraham. What did he add? Not ham. Not, don't eat pork here. The, the, <laughs> uh, not, not a ham. It just, the, a, uh, the M was there. Just a ha. Added a ha. Abram became Abraham. Ha. Ha. Say it a few times. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Getting it. Getting it. You're getting my deep theology now. What was missing was ha. <laughs> That's what's missing in some places I go. A little ha is missing. Ha. So, I'm, 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 I'm adding it. Oh, God, what about Sarah? We're going to fix Sarah. At the time, Sarah was not Sarah. It was Sarai. Say Sarai. Ay, 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 ay. I can't do nothing. I'm trying, I'm trying, and I can't do nothing. Okay, take that eye away. Again, the gospel is not about I, but Christ. 
So take the I I story and put ah. Sarai become Sarah. Ah. Ah. Okay, so we have ah and we have ha. So what does that make? Okay, you're getting it. <laughs> <laughs> You're really getting that. 